Wow. Well, hey, good to see everyone today. We just celebrate God's goodness, and I'm so glad you're here. And man, I'm, I'm so grateful that I, I'm married to that woman who leads prayer like that. <laughs> That's why, you know, she has a different kind of a, a, a title, but, but really what people really call her is the prayer pastor, and that's why, that's why. Anyway, I'm so glad you made it today for, uh, for the 11 o'clock service at Centerpoint, whether you're online at home or at work even, or out on the patio or, or in the room, I'm glad that we're able to be together, and we're going to stand together in the kind of attitude and posture of prayer that we were just doing, that doesn't stop because we said amen. We're going to stay uh, in a place where we're contending in the spirit. We are, we are standing for what God has called us to stand for, and that's our posture. We've got to be those people who pray that way and live that way. All right, so this is the third week of first, and in this series, we're taking a first-class trip to a greater experience of our faith. And uh, I'm excited about the message I get to give today. And, and uh, it's a message about giving. And, and it's a passion of mine. And it's something that I hope that God will bring a really even an impartation of for, for many of us to step into, maybe like never before. So, so uh, a few weeks ago... And my wife, who just did that uh, moment, was up here doing that same moment, but she shared a story. And if you were here, you might have re remembered it, you might have heard it. And she shared about how uh, Christmas, I think it was three years ago, that, that my kids gave her this beautiful gift, and she was wearing it. It was a necklace. It was a gold necklace with a golden heart on it, uh, rose gold, actually, with diamonds in it. And, and she was sharing about how she opened up that gift on Christmas Day and was just so blown away by this amazing gift that our, our kids had pulled together, together to give her. And, uh, and, and she shared about how uh, my son's looked at her when she opened it and said, Mom, uh, we just wanted you to be the first person that we ever gave diamonds to because you're the best mom ever. And, I, man, and, and even three years later, when she shared that story here, she was choked up and, and, and weeping because it made that kind of, of an impression. But as the dad, I also have a unique take on that particular story because the dad may or may not have had something to do with why that moment happened the way it did. <laughs> So now I'll tell you my version, okay? So my version started like, like the week after Thanksgiving. And I told my kids, I said, we need to talk. We need to have a little meeting while mom's not here. Come to the kitchen table. And we sat down at the kitchen table and I said, how much money do you have saved up in your little money box? About you, how much money do you have saved up in your money? How much money do you have? All three of them. And I said, listen, I know, I know. You could take your $20 and you could go get something kind of nice. And, but listen, can you imagine if we all pulled together and you gave all of, your, uh, all of your little money box savings and you gave all of yours and you gave all of yours, you could get your mom something uh, uh, unforgettable for Christmas. And it was quiet for like the next two minutes. Nobody wanted to talk first at that particular moment. But finally, someone said, well, you mean everything? Give everything? I'm like, yeah, to get something with diamonds on it, it's going to take all of that and that and that. And, and they said, but if I give everything, then I won't have anything left. And I said, yeah, sometimes expressing your affection costs you, right? And, and don't you want your mom to know you love her? And, and don't you want to move her heart? And, and uh, they thought long and hard about it. And, and in that moment, as their dad, I'm kind of teaching them. Like, hey, actually expressing your affection sometimes needs to go beyond just words. And uh, you have an opportunity to express your love in a very unique way. 
and they did it. And, and what I'm so proud of is even though I coached them on that moment, it was their choice ultimately to do it. And what I didn't coach them on at all was those magic words they said. One of my sons that said, Mom, we wanted you to be the first woman we ever gave diamonds to. I'm like, oh, I did something right. Because I did not tell them to say that. That just flowed. Those are powerful words. <laughs> but the, the message that I'm sharing today about giving is actually a little bit like the talk I had with my kids around the kitchen table that week after Thanksgiving. And, and it was a little hard, uh, hard to take for my kids and, and, and it has something to do with that. Yeah, it does. It has a little bit of something to do. We'll get there. But I want you to know that the message today about giving starts with a rule. And so I need to lay down the rules. Okay, so the first rule of giving is that there are no rules about giving. The first rule about giving is that there are no rules about giving. And I mean that. I mean that because there is an opportunity to get to give if we want to give. But there is not a rule that we have to give. I, I just want to level the playing field. I want to release the pressure a little bit. And especially if you're brand new with us, oh, for sure, I want to make sure you hear me on this. Like, this is, for, for many of us who are, have been believers for a while and we're growing, this is something we want to grow in. And I want you to understand that the best place for giving to come from is from a willingness, not a legal oppressiveness. Okay, so this idea comes from way back in the early pages of the Bible, in the Old Testament, and talking about the time in which God's people were walking through the wilderness and journeying through the wilderness, and, and they had the tabernacle, which was the place where God's People would gather to worship, and there were needs for that place of worship. And, and so in that context, this, this heart of God comes through in one particular verse in Exodus 35. And I want you to just read Exodus 35 off the screen, uh, nice and strong. Exodus 35, verse 5, go, from what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. And so I, I want you to catch this, right? Somebody say, everyone who is willing. That's where we begin this journey. I'm talking about giving. Everyone who's willing. And, and if you're not willing, then just listen today. But for anyone who's willing, I want to invite you into a deeper understanding of the truth of God's word. So the context again here for that one verse is God's people walking through the wilderness and they're worshiping God at the tabernacle. And the tabernacle has a Levites that are working and serving there that have needs and the tabernacle that there are needs for carrying out the worship. And God's heart is everyone who is willing, bring to the Lord an offering. Say it again, everyone who's willing. So there's this pattern in scripture of God's people recognizing that there's a profound goodness about the gathering of God's people all together for worship. That there's a profound goodness about God's people making the provision for the place where God will be given glory out of a recognition that it is awesome and good and right to give God glory and to create an atmosphere and an environment and a place where all of God's people can experience God's glory together. So you're tracking with me. That's the motivation in the earliest place here in the scripture of why God's people are giving. 
but it comes out of a willingness, not out of a forcedness, not out of a legal obligation, but out of a willingness. So we begin there. This, this is an important part of what we're understanding from the scripture, a grace-based willingness. And when you really think about it, a willing spirit is the way into any of the things of God. It is your willingness that allows you to step more deeply into an experience of the things of God. And, and I, I want us to embrace today the, the willing heart that is the motivation for why we give. And let me just level with you about my, my personal sense of motivation, about giving. When it comes to giving as an act of worship, I, I, I could boil it down to two factors, two things that are part of my own motivation to give. Uh, one would be that I want to express my affection and honor for my God who has loved me and saved me. That, that's first and foremost. That motivates me. I want to express my love and affection and honor for my God who saved me. But the second part of my, my motivation is I want to position my life to experience and receive my God's blessings in my life. And I, I want you to know that those two factors really are part of the core invitation that we discover in the scriptures when we begin to, to read what the Bible says about, about giving. And so I want us to take a little bit of time today uh, to go to Proverbs chapter 3. So I want you to open up your Bible or get there on your Bible app to Proverbs chapter 3. And, and this is what, uh, what we discover in God's word in Proverbs 3 is that those two factors are at the core of the biblical invitation for the motivation in terms of giving. So Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, this is what it says. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. And then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Let me say it again, that first part. Verse 9, say it with me. Verse 9 alone, say it, go. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. The best part. Now, so a mental picture of the best part. Here's what it looks like. Rewind the tape two months ago. It's Father's Day weekend, and my daughter says, Dad, I'm making something special for you for Father's Day. And then I get a shout from, uh, from downstairs, Dad, it's ready. And so I come down the stairs, and boom, on the counter, that right there. My, one of my top three or four favorite things uh, on the earth, right, angel food cake. And, and it's not just because I'm a pastor and that would make sense to like an angel. That was so cheesy, you shouldn't even laugh. But, but listen, uh, th that right there is the best part. You know it. If you have angel food cake in your kitchen, you know that's the best part. And you know it's illegal to be going and picking that stuff up. But I did it that day because that was my angel food cake. And my daughter knows me. She knows my dad likes the best part. She said, Dad, it's ready. And I picked all of the best part right off the top and enjoyed every bite of it. It was good. Best part. But, and here, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that if a daughter can give her father the best part, of that angel food cake, and it just pleases that father so much, then the church of Jesus can, can honor our heavenly father and give him the best part 
of what comes from our life and bring a kind of a delight to him as well. But let me just tell you, as a dad, like when my daughter made that cake for me and I got to eat the best part of it and enjoy it all, do you know what happens inside of my heart? I'm so blessed that as a dad, I'm now looking for opportunities for how can I take care of my little girl? How can I bless her? How can I return the favor of goodness in her life? Because she's taken her own time and what she could to make something special for me. This is, I think, part of what we're looking at in Proverbs 3. Let me just read it one more time. Verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the, say it, the best part of everything you produce. Verse 10. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Everybody say then. 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 So we begin with, I want to. I don't have to, because this isn't a rule. It's a willingness thing. I want to honor the Lord with my wealth. I want to do that because I love my God, and I want to give him my affection and adoration in real time. But I'm very grateful that this verse does get accompanied by that word then. Then. And God is so good to give a promise to us that we could stand on. And that promise includes that word then. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits or the best part of everything that you produce. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats would brim over with new wine. This is God painting a picture for us of, of what we can and should anticipate and expect that he would be faithful to us to come through in our lives as we pull through for his glory and honor. And this is what we're getting the invitation to do today, to be the people who live by that prosperity principle. Let me just be very clear about something. In, In our church, we do not preach a prosperity gospel. Okay, let me just step back on this for a minute. A a prosperity gospel would be uh, God wants to just make you wealthy, and that's it. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that God gave Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we could turn to the Lord and be fully forgiven and have shame and guilt broken off of our lives, had the way to heaven opened up for us, and not because of anything we do, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And by putting our trust in him, he gives us the free gift of salvation through Christ. That's the gospel. (laughs) That's the gospel. But we do preach the Bible. And as we preach through the Bible, God's word does give us principles of one kind and another. And one of those principles is the prosperity principle. And that is that we do know God to be a good heavenly father. And what kind of father wouldn't want his kids to experience blessing? And and even the prosperity that a good father would want for his kids, it's on our heavenly father's heart for us. And so we're invited to expect and even anticipate that our God would want to bring blessing into our lives as we trust him with what we give. And so my message, if I boiled it down into one phrase, it would be this simple resolve. I give to God my first and best and trust him to bless the rest. I want you to just say that one time with me. Say it. I give to God my first and best and trust him to bless the rest. This is a a foundational principle. In fact, I've shared this principle several times 
over the years because it's truth. It's truth. And, and I've been inspired in what I've learned from God's word. I've been inspired by uh, people like, uh, like Pastor Robert Morris and Craig Groeschel and Dave Ramsey and Ron Blue and all of these uh, finance gurus. But more than anything, as I share this with you, I'm inspired by God's word. And I believe that what I've just shared with you is, is a biblical invitation. I, I give to God my first and best, and I trust him to bless the rest. Now, the word in the scriptures for my first and best is the word tithe. I want everybody to just say that word out loud, tithe. Say it again, tithe. Okay, now you know everybody in church told you to tithe. It wasn't just me. You heard it from everybody. <laughs> tithe. Tithe is a word that uh, if we've been growing in our faith, it's a word that we've begun to get used to. Some of us have even begun to cherish because we know what it represents. It does represent the first and the best. And it's something that, uh, that God invites you and I to, to make a, a discipline in our lives. We give to God the first and best and trust him to bless the rest. Uh, it is a choice to, to tithe. Especially in, in our church, there's, nobody's going to strong arm you and say, hey, let's see your tax returns. Let's see if you're really tithing there, sister. It's, it's not like that. This is something that ultimately is between you and God, that, that, you, that you enter into. And it's like any other of the things of God. You enter in with a willing heart. For example, uh, if you want to experience God in worship, you, you get to choose whether you're going to do that. Like, you get to choose. You might see, like, at seek night this week, there's going to be a bunch of us crazies up front, like, jumping and, like, enjoying the up-close, fiery goodness of God right up where it's hot, you know, as close to the fire as we can get. <laughs> and then there'll be some others of us, like, way up there in the back, like, kind of like, you know. I, I wonder, which one do you think is going to step into more of that experience of the, of the worship experience of God's encounter with us? Right? And, but it's a choice for anybody. It's a choice whether we enter in. It's a choice whether you're going to, like we talked about last week, get up early and take that time where you just open up the Bible and begin to read the scriptures. Nobody can force you to do that. You choose to do it. But as you do, you feel the goodness of God. You gain the wisdom of his word. You encounter the glory of his presence. But you get to choose to do that. If you, if you want to really grow, you're going to need to end up at some point being in a small group community, like the way Jesus modeled with the 12, but no one's going to force you to do that. You are going to sign up to be a part of a small group, and you're going to show up at that house on that Thursday night, and you're going to experience the ironing, sharpening iron, but nobody's going to force it. You choose it, and it's the same way with giving. I'm going to teach on it. I'm going to invite you into what I understand about it from God's word. But you get to choose whether you're going to do it. And tithing is definitely in that category. It's something that you get to choose to do. But what I notice is that a lot of us have our, our financial picture kind of jacked up, to be honest. And, and here's what, here's what uh, one preacher said that people tend to do with money. That people tend to, when it comes to money, do it like this. First thing is, I get some money, I spend it, spend it, spend it. And then I, I, I worry about it. And then I pay some bills with it. And then maybe I save a, a, a bit of it. And then if there's anything left over, then I give it. And I think if you really think about it, the, the verse of scripture that we just meditated on together from Proverbs 3 is telling us, it's like as though God is saying, 
that's not the order that I'm going to bless. The order God would bless starts with our offering to him first. Give to God your first and best and trust him to bless the rest. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part, the first fruits. This is what we get the privilege of doing when we engage in tithing. And I think God would be saying, flip the script, reverse the order. Give to God first and then save and then deal with your obligations and your bills and then don't worry about it. And then enjoy trusting God with the rest. I hope that we would do it. And I hope we would understand what tithing really is. So can I just level with you on what tithing is? Okay, so tithing is a specific word. And some people think about tithing and think, yeah, I tithe. I mean, I reach into my back pocket. I have a crumpled up $10 bill and a one. And I throw that in the bucket or on the thing by the door on the way out. I tithe. That would be not tithing unless you literally made $100 that week, right? It, tithing has a literal meaning, and it means 10%. That's what it means. And so here's the defini definition of tithing. I give 10% of my income to my God. That's what tithing is, if you wanted to know, and if you actually wanted to do it. I, I want to say, I celebrate any degree of giving that any of us do as we give to God. Any giving that any one of us would do is glorious, brings God glory. But, but tithing is a unique thing. And, and it's something that you should understand a, a bit about. And it has a purpose. Tithing has a purpose. It, and and it's, there's actually multiple facets, but it starts with this, that the scriptures say in Deuteronomy what the purpose is. Deuteronomy 14, 23, it says it literally like this. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Why don't you read that verse out loud, nice and strong. Go. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. That's the purpose. Because think about it. Tithing is about, is about money. And your money reflects something. It reflects the aggregate accumulated total of your, your skill, your ability, your time, your energy, and your effort. That's what money tends to represent for most of us unless we got it from a trust fund. And, and so it has meaning to us. And so to take that which is the accumulated reflection of the sum total of your energy and time and effort and skill and to take some of that and the first part of that and to give that to God in worship is a way of truly putting God first beyond lip service in a way that real time has impact that you can, you can feel. Okay, so for me, this journey began way back uh, and, and it and it started, I think, with my first actual job working for someone else, not just a paper route or, or mowing lawns, and I did that kind of stuff, but first job working for someone else, and it was, I got a job working for Hank Moon at the laundromat right across from Ellsworth's Liquor Store there in Princeton Junction, New Jersey. And I went in there to work for Hank Moon, and it was 110 degrees, and I'm dealing with sweaty stuff 
stinky, smelly, dirty laundry for hours, and I'm feeling every bit of it. And so at the end of that first shift of working for Hank, and he busted out the cash and paid us right on the table, and I think it had something to do with the other side of the table now that I think back to why he paid us in cash like that. But he paid, my first shift, based on the hourly rate at the time, it was 37 bucks. And I remember him counting it out, 37 bucks. And at that time, I had just at that time, I had heard a message in the youth group I had been a part of about what I'm talking about today. Hey, honor God with your wealth. Look for him to bless you as you do. And look for him to receive your, your love that way. And I, and I just thought, all right, well, I heard about that. I guess I should do that. And I went home and I counted out my 37 bucks. And I took $3.00. And I rounded up rather than 70 cents. I took four bucks, actually. And I thought, okay, well, this is going to be my tithe. Because I believed what I heard. And I remember going to church that weekend and an offering brass plate came down the row. And I took my four bucks. And, and I put it in that plate. And I kind of felt good about it. I felt like, hey, I'm part of this deal. It's not just those old people doing this. I'm part of it. And I think I was 14 years old. But I'm like, this is my church, too. And, and for me, it began there. And you know what? When it was three bucks on, or four bucks on 37, it, it wasn't maybe that, that hard. Like, it wasn't. But then I remember a, a few years later, and I'm painting houses to put myself through college, and I have a small painting business. And, and when I first got a couple of big jobs, and then after the two weeks or so, and I, I, I got paid, and it was like 3,000-something. And I remember, and it pay, paid in cash, and I got the money, and I'm counting it out, and I'm still thinking and still doing this tithing thing, but that was a big sum. And all of a sudden, counting that out, and I'm going, $321. That's, that's, that's a bigger deal. And I'm counting it out in ones and tens and twenties. But I took that 321, and I took it with me to church that weekend. When that brass plate came waltzing on by, I, I almost stopped the plate. And I took my 321 stack, a wad of cash, and I went like this. I was like... Boom, into the plate with a bit of attitude on it, a bit of spin, because I felt good about it. I felt like, ah, that was my work up on that ladder, scraping all of that dust falling into my face and the elbows hurting because of all of the painting. And the, I, but I did that. I'm part of this. And I like what my church was doing, and I wanted to see it keep on doing its thing and keep on helping people know the Lord. And so this is my part. Yes, God. And you know what? For, for me, this has been decades now. It's just a way of living. And I, I think about, you know, that line and that song that Peyton was leading us in singing, look where I'm standing now. And, and for me personally, I, I think about what God's invited me to do in ministry over these years. And I think the reason why he's given me the opportunity to do what I get to do has as much to do with what happened after Hank Moon paid me and those house painting clients came through as it does with anything else. Because I think God looks for, for those of us who, who would be faithful with little so that he can then entrust us with much. I think God looks for those who would say, I'm going to do it. Your word says, honor me with your wealth, and, and I'm going to honor you with my wealth, and I'm going to trust you for the then, <laughs> the then, the then, that if we're real with each other, is on all of our hearts. Because we do have dreams and hopes and desires, and our God isn't against them. In fact, from the Bible I read, I think he's kind of for them. And I think he provided an access point for us to experience his goodness and his abundance. 
but it has to come out of a willingness, not out of a have-to-ness, not out of a religious guilt arm twisting. So let me just uh, you know, pressure down for a second. I want you to know there's no sneak attack special offering coming at the end of this message. Right? We already had the giving moment. No timeshare presentation, hard sell of the offering coming. You're in the clear, all right? So you, you, you don't need to worry about that. But what I want you to consider is what kind of man of God do you want to be? What kind of woman of God do you want to be? What kind of story do you want written through your life? And what kind of impact do you want your efforts in this world to, to yield? And, and I believe that for many of us who love the Lord, what comes naturally to us is a desire to say, I want to see people experiencing God, growing in his grace, coming together as a community, finding the love of Jesus, being rescued, being reached out to. And man, we get to do that together. And that's part of why we say, yes, God, I will give, because I want to be a part of seeing all of, all of that uh, happen. Now, let me take you to, uh, real quick, just, just one particular verse. And it's, it's in, uh, in Malachi verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 10 only. I'm skipping ahead, guys, for the sake of time. But I want you to see this. It said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Try it. I think God's laying it down for somebody right here. Try it. Put me to the test, God says. Try it and see, see what happens. I, I guess I see a picture here in these words, right? And, and it's like as though there are two places I could position myself. And I could position myself over here where I'm gonna be just, you know, bare scraping my knuckles everywhere I go and it's gonna be dry and I'm gonna be thirsty and it's gonna be hard and everything's gonna be a challenge and it's not gonna be flowing. It's all gonna be by my force and my sweat. It's gonna be difficult. That's one place I could position myself. Or I could position myself here where I'm, I'm standing under an open heaven where the promise of God's word is where I'm standing, where God is opening the floodgates of heaven. His words, not mine. Opening up the floodgates of heaven, pouring out so much blessing that I might not even have room to take it in. I, I don't know what kind of blessing he might pour out. He might pour out the blessing of just mental sanity on my life. <laughs> you know, he might pour out the blessing of just confidence, even in the face of hard things. He might pour out the blessing of protection for my children. He might pour out the blessing of favor before people. He might pour out the, the goodness of, of dreams getting to be realized in and through my life. He might pour out the blessing of marriage staying healthy and strong. He might pour out the blessing of opportunity to see that business idea actually flourish. He might pour out the favor to be able to close deals that are better than I could have ever imagined before. He might pour out the favor of physical health and healing. He might pour out the blessing of my reputation being protected. That's for my God to decide. His word says that he would open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. And blessing is a word that covers a lot of territory. My sister, my brother, 
And, and what I read was that I could either position myself by, by some simple choices I would make, either here, where it's a dry and weary land like a desert, or I could position myself here where the floodgates of heaven are open. So what, what am I going to do? For me personally, I, I am going to and have for many decades and will continue to stand in this place of an anticipated, even promised blessing. And our God is a God of promises. He invites us to stand on those promises. <laughs> we sang about it in the beginning of this service. I'm standing on that promise. And I want to invite somebody today to, to consider this with me. Would you be willing to be somebody who would be a tither? Like literally a tither. You would live out what we just read about. And that means you do some math. You, 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 it's simple math, thanks be to God. It's a decimal point move. And you do some, and by the way, that's a, a starting point. It's, it's not a, that's it, and no more, no less. It's, you get led by the Spirit. But can I, can I just suggest a plan and a process to you? So if you've never done this before, and by the way, I would guess there's probably about 60% of us who are regular givers, um, and of that, there's some percentage that are full-on tithers, and others of us are on the way. We're working on that. We're moving in that direction as God gives us the ability, right? But here's the plan. The plan would start with you just talking to God about it. I mean, it's one thing to hear your pastor give a message, but this is personal, and you've got to sit in the presence of God and just kind of go, God, is this really something you want me to step into? See how God leads you. See what God speaks to you about this. And then if you're married, you better be having a conversation with your spouse about it. Don't just start doing it without talking. Like you talk, you want to talk together. Hey, what do we think as a family? And maybe you even, if you've got kids, you sit down with your kids and say, hey, let's talk about this together. Uh, and maybe you even share with your kids, hey, what kind of family do we want to be? Do we want to be the kind of family that does what the Bible says? Ask your kids that question. I bet you you know the answer. They're going to say, yeah. And then you say, well, what if, what if it costs us, though? Do we still want to be the kind of people that would do what the Bible says? This might mean that we're not getting that new car or that we're getting, you know, this kind of vacation rather than that one. Because for some of us, this real time is right there. That has to be on the table, literally, figuratively, and everything in between. we got to talk about it. And we got to pray about it together. And then we take a step. And here's what it looks like. It looks like, uh, you know, we don't actually pass a physical bucket anymore. But what we have are give boxes by the door. Every door. And, and you come ready to worship the Lord. And you maybe give a physical. Uh, you write the check. You take the cash. And you give it that way. Or uh, a bunch of us, the majority of us really here give online. And it's automated for most of us. Because uh, a lot of us, we, you know, we have a, a first and a 15th or every two weeks, and that's how our giving happens. And it's automated because we automate things that are important to us. And then for others of us, maybe we have a small business, and we kind of look at things on a, on a yearly basis. And then you got to do that. Think about your business. How, how is God blessing you with the, the profit you take home? And what would it look like to tithe on that once or, or, or a few times or every week or month? And then you, you do it. And it's very simple. You just, if you want to know, I hope somebody wants to know, how would you do this? You go to mycenterpoint.tv, you click on give. And it'll take you about three minutes to just set up your giving online. And then you say, God, you're my God and I love you. And whatever giving comes through here, it's not because anybody told me I had to. It's because I want to. 
because I love you. I love your house. I love seeing people come to know Jesus. I love seeing your mission thrive in this world. So yes, God, here's my offering. I put you first, God. That's what it looks like. That's the plan. That's the process. And for somebody, you need to do it. But for somebody else, listen, I know the deal. Right now, you're, you're sitting here and you're going, this just feels so uncomfortable. Because, <laughs> man, nobody woke up today going, I really hope I hear a message on tithing today. I mean, maybe two of us, right? But, but for a lot of us, this is a little awkward. And maybe for some of us, it's even a bit painful. Because the truth is, our, our money situation hurts right now. Maybe for some of us, that's what's going on. Maybe it's a bit like this. So a, a couple months ago, I bought a pair of jeans, a new pair of jeans, and I bought them at one of those stores, uh, I can't remember, you know, Ross or something like that, where you get like a, a big name brand, but you get it for, you know, a low, low price because it's got some slight imperfections in it. <laughs> so I got this pair of jeans. I wasn't sure what the slight imperfection was, but I came home and I was trying them on and I put my hand in the pocket. I'm like, oh, there's the imperfection. A little hole, a little hole in the seam of the pocket, just a little one. But after a few times of wearing them, the seam turned into a full-on straight shot all the way down to the knee. Like, I could go scratch my knee through my pocket. It was a little awkward. <laughs> I had to remind myself, like, don't put the keys there, right? Like, note to self. And uh, th this one morning, it was like a couple weeks ago, I, I, I was going to get some eggs, you know, for uh, breakfast and went down to the store. And I just, I was leaving in a hurry, threw those jeans on, put my wallet and, and keys in the pocket, went out, got the eggs, got up to the register. And she was like, oh, 562, sir, or whatever it was. And I reached for my, for my wallet and I'm like, oh, shoot, oh no. And I started doing that thing, you know, where you're like slapping your butt, hoping it magically makes your wallet appear and it doesn't work. Anyway, and then I realized it's those jeans and I'm digging my hand through my, down to, and she's looking at me like, what's happening right now? And then I feel this weird lump down by my ankle and so I start doing the hokey pokey, like I'm doing my left leg in and I shake it all about. And then finally the wallet popped down on the floor. I'm like, hold on, hold on. I jump down. And get, I'm not ready. And she's like, sir, it is too early for this, right? Anyway, I, I literally had a, 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 my pockets with holes in it. And for some of us, our financial reality feels a bit like that. And it's not a joke and it's not a silly story. It's the reality and it's hard. It's difficult. We're living with a, a difficulty in our financial circumstance where things feel so upside down that we hear a message like this and, and we're thinking, yeah, it must be nice to be able to give. I can't. I'm barely making it. What do I do? And, and I want you to know, I don't want you to feel any burden from this message. Because our spiritual life is a life of growing and learning to put things in place and learning to step into the firsts that strengthen our faith. And I don't have an expectation, I think, nor does our Father in heaven, that you would just suddenly do it all. And, and maybe you're back here somewhere with regard to the money situation. And, and here's what I want for you. What I want for you is to learn how to get your financial picture off the crazy page and, and onto the right page. And so uh, we have a course that we do here. It's called Financial Peace University. We call it FPU. Somebody's clapping because they've done that class and it changed their life. Okay, so I, I am especially talking to you if you're, you're maybe you're 16 or 17 and you, your, your first thought is, oh, this is for those old people. No, it's for you. Can you, I can, can you imagine what your life would look like if you got your financial picture in order now, before it all began? come to the class. It's for you because maybe you're 24 and you're newly married and all of a sudden the pressure on this whole money thing is so hard. 
come to the FPU class. It's just nine weeks. You could do anything for nine weeks. But this particular thing, this class, it, we're going to teach you. We have, we have people who have been through it, like right where you are, dealing with that $30,000 of credit card debt, feeling like you're drowning. People in our church that are volunteers that are passionately leading this class as a volunteer because they've been there and conquered that mountain and found freedom and peace and want to help you. So just go to the mycenterpoint.tv. You click on uh, CP Life, and then you scroll on down to prayer, care, and support. I'm telling you the details because otherwise you're going to go, I couldn't find it. I didn't know where it was. This is where it is. You go to mycenterpoint.tv. You can do it right now. Take out your phone. It's okay. You can close your Bible even if you're going to do this. And <laughs> go to mycenterpoint.tv and click on CP Life. And then scroll down to prayer, care, and support. And then once you get to support, scroll down and you'll find FPU, Financial Peace University. It starts in two weeks. And it could be the best nine weeks of your life. Okay, that might have been an overstatement. <laughs> but, but it might be the best nine weeks that you could invest in your financial future. <laughs> and so I hope that you'll do it. And, and, and otherwise, you, you might go a couple of years and go, man, things are so heavy. It's such a mess. But you have an opportunity now to learn how to put things in the right order. And you'll make some friends who are doing that at the same time as you. Uh, you'll find some community that you can lock arms with, find hope together with, and you'll get the skills you need to find financial peace. So do FPU if you've never done it before. For. It's going to help. It's going to help. But now, I want to step back for a second and just acknowledge something. I'm looking at a church body, and many of you have been so incredibly faithful to do what we're talking about today. You, you've been giving generously. Many of you even tithing faithfully. Some even giving sacrificially and extravagantly. And I just want to make sure that in a moment like this, I can say thank you Thank you to every one of you, especially because the last year and a half, things have gotten crazy, crazy and hard. And as a church community, by the way, did you know we have, uh, I mean, the, one of the main things about the body of Christ is the leaders that create the opportunities for growing that the ministers of this place do. And we've got you know, 23 people who this is full-time work for. 50 in total that say, That's, this is where I work and it's my livelihood. And part of what happens is as you tithe, the ministers in God's house are able to keep on going and bringing it. And, and we reached some turbulent waters about a year ago where we didn't know what was going to happen. And it looked like people were beginning to stop giving because things were so crazy in the world. And you better believe that sitting in my seat, that was kind of frightening to see that begin to happen. But I'm very grateful because... After, after a couple months, very quickly, many of you, despite what was happening in the world, you said, no, this is my church, and even though things are weird right now, and we're meeting online, and we're meeting in the patio, and we're doing parking lot, I'm giving anyway, because I want to see my church thrive, and I want to keep loving my God the way I can, and I want to say thank you, and I know that for some of us, that was hard. It was a hard choice to even make, because things were so tense in our life, but you did it Thank you. And, and really, for many of you, the, the fact that you kept on giving faithfully allowed the ministry to keep pursuing the fruitfulness God had for us. And when many people were hitting hard times, it looked like we were wondering, how are we going to make it? How's Centerpoint going to do? And I, I was praying. But what I saw is that God allowed the regular 
faithful giving of the many to allow the church to keep going. But then there were a few moments where some over-the-top things happened that I just want to brag on God for a minute. Like one particular time, and, and I'm kind of looking at what's going on around here and the obligations, and uh, it, it, it's, it's heavy. Anybody who's ever had people that, that, you know, you employ somebody, you know what I'm talking about. There's weight with that. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And then one particular week, all of a sudden, there's this, you know, $25,000 offering from one family. How did that happen? And, to, you know, sold their house, tithed on the, the, the proceeds of it. Another time, and, and it just pushed us right across the line. We're good. Another time, a, a gentleman had a business, and, and they'd been tithing faithfully for many years, but sold that business, and in one day said, here you go for the church, and it's a six-figure offering. When we were going to be in the red, and all of a sudden, God moves this guy in a, a way that nobody could twist someone's arm strong enough to make that happen, but God whispers, this man goes, boom, all of a sudden, center point, you keep going, keep thriving. Another time, there was, a, there was a, another one of those uh, months where it had been rough, and we're going, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it? And another time, boom, there's this big old offering of uh, $40,000, and our finance team told me about that and said, do you know this gentleman? And I, 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 I'd never heard of this guy. I don't even know. And I, I literally had to call him, and I'm saying, you don't even know. We're wondering how we're going to make it, but what you did changed the game, sir. And I don't even know you, but do you mind my asking? How, how are you able to do that? <laughs> like a little bit of prying, right? But how, how were you able to do that? But so these are the questions that pastors can sometimes ask, right? And, and the guy said, you know, we had a, a, a property. We always tithe. But we had a property and we sold it. And this is the tithe on that. And, 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 and I said, yeah, I can't believe that you did that. And what, but what motivates you? And he said, well, that's easy. He's like, I love seeing people get saved. I love seeing the body of Christ thriving. I love seeing disciples of Jesus growing in their faith. And how would I not tithe when God has blessed me the way he has? I was like, man, I wish I would have hit record. Like, that was powerful what that guy shared with me. But, but what I'm saying to you is you're part of a community that has on the whole said, yes, God, we want to create a place where, God, we give you glory and we get to experience your glory together and where people get to know Jesus and his mercy. And I'm so thankful that that's the kind of church you are. And I just want to tell you, for those of you who are tithing, can I just, I wish I could give you an attaboy, girl for a second and say, you know what you did? Because you tithe, okay, we have a student ministry that has the, the largest number of students in this whole region coming on a Tuesday and Wednesday night. 250, sometimes 300 middle schoolers and high schoolers that are coming together, learning what it means to follow Jesus, learning what it means to take the word of God to heart and make it a foundation for life. And, and I think about a moment like two weeks ago where one particular middle schooler that, that I know just finally had that awakening moment and said yes and put her hand in the air and put her life in the hands of Jesus on one Tuesday night, and your tithing did that. Yeah, your tithing did that. And for somebody else, you know what? On Fridays, we, you know, for, 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 for weeks and weeks, months and months, going on years now, we have this give, we give food to anybody in need. And at this point, we're talking about tens of tons of 
food and groceries just given to people in need. No questions asked. People even receiving Jesus as they're prayed for when they receive the food boxes. Your tithing did that. You tithe. You create this, this atmosphere of stability and strength and growing disciples who can carry out that kind of thing. I want to tell you another thing. You, you, you think about what it's like to have somebody pray for you for two hours straight, breaking off strongholds, speaking destiny and prophetic life into you in a time of prayer. That's what our freedom ministry does. Th this year, year to date, it's something like 220 prayer sessions of breakthrough freedom. Your tithing did that because you create this atmosphere of health and strength and love in the body of Christ that can flow one more way and people are getting set free free. Your tithing does it. This year, in this place, just in this weekend service, there are more than 200 people that have said yes to Jesus Christ for the first time. Your tithing did that. And I just want to say, great job, church. And, and you are growing. And, and for some of you, it's time to start growing. Here's what I mean. There's a way in which I see that Another generation is carrying the weight in a big measure. And so in particular, I'm talking to you if you are uh, Gen Z or millennial. Like maybe you're like I was in that story with Hank Moon. You just started working your first job or you're early in your career. Don't think about this as that's what those people get to do. The, the Gen X and Boomer generation can only carry this thing for so long. And for somebody, I'm saying it's your turn now. It's your turn to experience the goodness of what it's like when you live a life where you say, I give to God my first and best, and I trust him to bless the rest. So somebody, this is the week. The plan is you're going to pray, seek God, what he says to you about this. See if he stirs up that willingness, because that's where it all flows from. You're going to have a conversation if you're married or you have kids about this whole thing. And then you're going to engage in the process. You're going to maybe do some math and say, I'm not giving leftovers. I'm hitting a percentage. It's going to be deliberate and intentional because of my love for my God and my desire to see his church thrive. And then you're going to engage in the process. You're going to go to, if you're part of Centerpoint, mycenterpoint.tv, click on give. And you do it because you want to. But you, you need to realize this. That the greatest blessing you could ever receive or experience is the blessing of knowing Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior. And for somebody today, I mean, the truth is, it's kind of rough that you came on the weekend, we're talking about money and giving. Because really, you just need the hope that's available in Jesus. And let me just make sure I, I make that clear to somebody right now. There's hope for you. There's hope in the power and love of God for you. And it comes through a simple turning to Jesus and asking for his gift of salvation. Do you know the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 13, it says these words, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That, that's the next verse, actually. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Everyone included me. There was a moment of just waking up to the reality that I couldn't, forget, I couldn't fix myself and I needed to be forgiven. And I called on the Lord. I called on the name of the Lord Jesus and he saved me. And I live in his grace ever since. <laughs> I live every day knowing I'm right with God. 
because of what he's done for me. And no matter what I have done or haven't, he, he made me right. There's no better place to be, man. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. And for somebody, you feel like you're drowning right now. You feel like you're covered with shame and guilt. You feel like you're stuck in quicksand almost. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And for somebody, this is it. This is the moment. It's time. Call on the name of the Lord. Be saved here and now today. Would you pray with me for a minute? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, God, that that everyone included me. Somebody right now say it with me. Thank you, God. (laughs) Aren't you grateful you live in his mercy and his grace? Aren't you grateful you wake up every day with the hope of heaven and the power of God for right here and now? If so, right now, would you just shout, thank you, God. Shout it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for loving me and saving me. Thank you that I called on the name of the Lord and I was saved. And I am saved and always will be because of what Jesus has done. Thank you for saving me. Just everybody say it with me. Thank you for saving me, God. Now, for somebody else, you need to do this. You need to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So for somebody, if you're going, I I think I need to do that. I don't know where I stand with God. I want to know that I'm right with God. If you're ready to finally say, Jesus, would you forgive my sin and save my life? Right now, I want you to raise your hand with me. Right now. That's you finally saying yes to Jesus. And top and the back, thank you. Who else? Just make it known. I don't want to miss you. Over here in the middle on my left. Thank you, sir. That's excellent. In the middle on my left over here, thank you. It's excellent. If there's anyone else, I don't want to miss you. If you're joining me online, I want you to type it into the comments. Just say, I want to give my life to Jesus. And then just settle for a second in the stillness and goodness of this moment. You're about to do what we read. It said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, pulled up out of the quicksand, rescued from the shame and the guilt. Right in the the middle of my left up in the stands, I see you. That's great. And I want you right now to pray with me, praying as you talking to God. And you say something like this. You say, Jesus, I need you and I believe in you. Everything starts there. Jesus, I believe in you. Just say it to him with me. Jesus, I believe in you. You had your hand raised? Say this with me. Jesus, I believe in you and I turn my life over to you. Say it with me. Jesus, I turn my life over to you. Jesus, I trust you. Say it to him. Jesus, I trust you. And just say something like this. Jesus, I believe that you paid the price for me to be saved. And I receive the free gift of your salvation right now. Jesus, I am yours from this moment on. Thank you for new life. I believe that I called on you and now I am saved. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Everybody stand up together. and Would you just celebrate? I mean, when eight or nine people are saying yes to Jesus, you just got to celebrate. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that you give us your word as a foundation to build our lives on. And thank you, Lord, that your promises are sure, that your promises are a foundation for us. And you're good, God. You're good, God. You're good, God. You're so good, God. You're so good, God. 
You're so good. I stand on the chain-breaking, miracle-making, powerful name of Jesus. Come on, sing it out, church. From the body raising, prodigal saving, powerful name Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. For somebody right now, I want you to touch your body. Touch your body. Somebody, you came in here with your body in sickness or disease. But we're singing about the fact that he's a body-raising Savior. And for somebody, this is the moment your healing comes. You just confess right now your trust in who he is as the body-raising one. Sing it out. Chain-breaking. Sing it. Chain-breaking. Prodigal. Yes, you are. Now sing it again, nice and strong this time. Sing it. 